Sin crucis de limites nostis libros teus noster, in omni patsi fide pitus santi amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. One of the most uh, shocking parables of the Gospel appears in today's reading. It's the, the parable of Lazarus and the rich man, the Devis. He is just anonymously named the Divas, the rich man. Whereas Lazarus, the poor man, lying at the rich man's doorstep, is named. It's a reversal of how things generally go. Normally the, the poor are just the poor. Generically named the poor, whereas the rich are often identified by their status, their names, we know who they are, now it's the reversed. And uh, as we begin this prayer we can think that as we pray right now, it's pouring rain outside. The lane is filled with puddles and it's damp and unpleasant to walk outside. And we can imagine there are probably quite a few homeless around, some with their carts and their shopping carts, uh, with all their possessions wrapped in tarps and who knows what they have underneath there. Maybe a few scraps of food and extra socks that they've managed to scrounge up. We can hope that some of them have found some kind of protection, some dry spot. And that combination of today's gospel, which we know so well, and the rain, which we also know quite well, is an occasion for us to examine our own attitude to the poor, to the homeless, to those with nothing. And we do so thinking that when our father started the work in the early 30s, that's who he had recourse to, to pray for him as he was undertaking this vast adventure, this apostolic adventure to bring, to bring this new message to the church, to revive the both old and new message about the sanctification of ordinary life but to gain momentum to gain grace he went to those who were like a storehouse of grace and of love the poor and he helped them he bandaged their wounds he took care of them gave them the sacraments and knew many of their names gave them some of his money which he had little, very little of 
And so it's an invitation today for us to think how we are doing with regards to the poor. She called the poor of Our Lady. But what is striking in today's uh, gospel also is the, is the way the rich man, even in the afterlife, after he's been judged, he still speaks of the poor man as his servant who is supposed to do his bidding. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. Could you please ask him? Send him right away. You can see he's used to having servants at his beck and call. He needs help, even though he never helped anybody. He never helped others. He just had all his comforts and all his amenities. We can imagine how he collected all this stuff for himself. He's been like a like a drain for his own self-care. His own pretentious and selfish desires. To serve others, to show interest in others in their names, it's completely foreign to him. Though we have to give it to him, he knew Lazarus's name. Maybe Jesus told him, I don't know, but uh, of course he's forgotten all about uh, the judgment and uh, the parable shows that immediately after death the soul is judged and by God for all its acts the particular judgment in which we, we are rewarded or punished it's a good reminder of that fact that immediately upon death we will be judged our whole life and indeed the divine revelation is by itself sufficient for men to be able to believe in the next life. But he, this rich man, seems to have forgotten about this and seems to not have adapted his life to prepare himself. And then in the first reading we get the story or the account of prophet Amos who in very poetic terms and very dramatic terms speaks about the complacency of the rich he's in science, Zion in other words he's in Jerusalem in the kingdom of Judah and you know, he's speaking about those who drink who drink wine at one point he says those who drink wine by the bowl falls you know, not by a nice little glass but by an entire bowl Woe to the complacent in Zion, he says. That complacency was expressed not only in a refusal to share their material goods, especially at a time when he was speaking, when the Assyrians were invading the north and their brothers, the brothers, the people of Israel, in the north, in the northern kingdom, were being assailed by the Assyrians and were eventually taken over, just as there are many suffering from war today in different parts of the world. So, 
that complacency is, is not only a refusal to share material goods, which it is, but it's also this kind of self-obsession, a kind of total ignoring of someone, forgetting about them, a kind of giving up on somebody else as unworthy of our help, and to exist as only insofar as they are useful to us. The Prophet speaks about those who are completely wrapped up in themselves. But it's clear that the, the rich man in this account, which I know you know, you know the story, how he was at his table and Lazarus was begging and, and uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't helping poor Lazarus. But my sense is that the rich man also lost a real sense of what is important in life. And Lazarus, well, he seems to have suffered, and he was poor. Everything was against him. Nobody was even helping him, except the dogs that were licking their wounds, or his wounds. And we look at Lazarus, we always look at the, the rich man, and we go after the, the, the rich man. But if we look at Lazarus, it's hard to understand exactly why he has become the way he is, poor, homeless. Why does he even have wounds and sores? Why couldn't he get his own sustenance? What happened to him? Why was he in this state? Was he suffering some injustice? Did people steal from him? Why couldn't he help himself? Why did he depend on, on this rich man who wasn't doing anything? Yet he is shown as, in some way as a model, but in another way he doesn't seem like the best example. In fact, he, we don't know his age, but he seems to have died pretty early. Maybe those sores are what diseased him and made him ill. Maybe he got rabies from one of the dogs. The image of the dogs licking his sores, it wasn't something that alleviated Lazarus, but in, in fact increased his humiliation, increased his suffering. And it was in great contrast to the, to the rich man who was there with the, his bowls of wine and in great material pleasure. Certainly for the Jews, dogs were unclean animals and in fact they were not generally used as domestic animals, certainly not as much as we use them here. So you know you have a problem when the only ones that are coming to supposedly con console you are dogs. But perhaps the image that we want to awaken in our soul, naturally we have to think about how we deal with the poor and that is something that has to be part of our life. We have to have extra change in our pockets and, or, or money in our pockets always for the poor, for those who ask us for money, for those who reach out with their old Tim Hortons cup and ask us for money. We should have money available for them, thinking this is why I'm, I'm not going to have this money so I can buy something because I probably won't buy much, but so I have a little bit of something to give. And that's one area that we have to look at. But the other area, the Im image that strikes me as I think 
about the rich man and I think about the Lazarus and their life is that both men seem to be overwhelmed by life. It's like the rich man seems to be overwhelmed by his riches. You picture him there with all these people and hey, would you like some more? Would you like here's some more lobster if you like it? You know, here's some some sauce to dip your Doritos in. Or I don't know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> And he's kind of overwhelmed by all these pleasures and these foods and whatnot, and uh, he's kind of lost the opportunity to please God. And Lazarus too is overwhelmed. He's overwhelmed by his life in general. He's just surviving. He's just overwhelmed just by getting food and getting clothing. It's like too much for him. The idea of being overwhelmed in life, what does this mean? Yeah, are you right now well, maybe not in this second, but in these last few days, have you felt a bit overwhelmed? Well, if you feel overwhelmed, you're probably not alone. It's probably one of the most common emotions in our society today, you know, to feel stressed and overwhelmed. What are some ways that we can feel not overwhelmed, whether we're the rich man or whether we're the poor man? What surrounds them is this stress of being overwhelmed. Certainly if we look at the, the rich man, what is one of the things he could do? What is one of the things we could do? We could take a walk. We could exercise our legs, exercise just walking around, or just doing exercise clears our mind. Here in this place, you're like in the basement often, I suppose, I don't know. It's like a narrow space. Okay, go outside. Beyond BP Nickel Lane. It kind of, just to go for a walk and even look in the distance, like try to look far. Don't just look at a building, like look down Spadina, right? It kind of helps us to rearrange our mind, rearrange our thoughts, our ideas kind of relieves stress they say it uh, just looking into the distance releases the happy hormones I didn't know that there were happy hormones in our body but apparently they, they're waiting to be released and uh, simple activities like exercising lifting weights uh, cooking and well, I don't know about you for cooking, but <laughs> but for many people, cooking uh, it uh, relieves them. Uh, listening to music, you know, listening to music is good. It uh, uh, they say that, that it produces these hormones, or yeah, that make us feel a little bit more relaxed. I don't know. They say it's dopamine, or I don't know, serotonin, whatever it is. That's at least on the pure human level. You know? And uh, maybe we need to consolidate this. Maybe just we just have to look at the sunset a little bit more often. I know, you're probably cooking a lot, so eat some spicy food. I don't know, some good yogurt, some kimchi, <laughs> you know. Maybe those things will release a few hormones. I don't know. They call them comfort food, right? You're feeling overwhelmed. You do that. Go for a while. 
you can also just talk to someone. That's one of the reasons we, we really value our chat, spiritual direction. Just telling somebody about what you're experiencing, telling a sister of yours in the work what you're experiencing, actually it can also change everything. It's so liberating to open our hearts. And we give thanks to God that we have this opportunity. I can imagine there are people who in one way or another, they know people, but they're mostly fairly alone. And to talk with others is perhaps more difficult or, or there are more obstacles for them to, to be able to do that. You talk. You have an occasion to laugh. And you just talk about the level of your freakouts. Naturally, we come first to our Lord. We speak to Him. He awaits you here. Lord, I'm tired. Lord, I'm exhausted. Lord, this thing annoys me. But when something annoys you, don't just react like emotionally. Just don't react. It's important to say, right now I am being annoyed. And you process that, that feeling or that, uh, yeah, that feeling. And you don't react, you respond. Right? There's a little gap between reacting and responding. You know, the feeling and the response. Is it, this is the, what would be the best way for me to react here? Or not react seems right, quite immediate, but what is the best way for me to respond? Process the thing and then talk. If you feel lost like Lazarus, that's great. Those people are really lost. They have no idea that they're lost. But if you feel lost, well, that's good. You can do something about it. The fact that you are aware that you're stressed, the fact that you are aware that you're overwhelmed, well, that's a good sign. Listen to that feeling. Explore what it is trying to tell you. Explore what our Lord is trying to tell you with that. And then speak about that feeling of being overwhelmed or being lost or being overridden. If you and I are angrier than usual, well, that's excellent. That's good. That means you're probably getting in touch with your dissatisfaction. Because we only get angry when we're somehow dissatisfied. So you listen to your dissatisfaction. And it will teach you, well, I can't go on like this. I have to change something. I have to improve something in my life. Then you can talk about it. But if you're just going around like dissatisfied, you know, leave me alone, just go, you know, I've got to do my work. And, and you don't realize that you're dissatisfied, well, that's not good. Probably that's what happened to the rich man. He was just like, you know, give me another bowl, you know, give me another kimchi. (laughs) (laughs) Who's that guy there? Close the door. I don't want to see this, whoever that guy is. Uh, Give me another bottle. Come on. So when we go and chat, when we do the chat, spiritual direction, we open our heart, we're asking for help. We're not simply venting. We are venting, I guess, but we are, we're kind of asking for help. We don't say, can you help me, necessarily. We don't <coughs> use those words, but 
but when we're doing that, when we're just, that's a strength. It's a sign of strength, and, it, and, and it's and it's a sign of genius. It's not a sign of weakness. I guess there was a sign of strength of Lazarus that he was asking for help. And the proof is that, well, he made it to Abraham's bosom. That's why it's so important to be very sincere. It's an opportunity when we speak of expressing true sincerity. It puts everything into place. Sincerity in the chat really, really will provide for us great openings, open horizons to us. It's what makes us into souls of criteria. Our father would say, you know, alma de criterio. We know a little bit what's the best thing. We come to you know, have a kind of mature, discerning prudence. Souls with a mature discernment. We see the pros and cons of things. The real weight of things. We understand, well, that's not really that important. Maybe it got me annoyed, but it's actually... When I stand back, it's a step back, it's not that important. And the clarity of mind comes from a serene conscience where we don't lie to ourselves. The impression you get from the divas, the, the rich man, he was somewhere he was saying, this is so good, I love being here, I'm enjoying this meal, this is so fun, watching another movie, this is so great. He was kind of lying to himself. Didn't really, he wasn't really truly happy. And for us too, you know, we shouldn't make things overly emotional or just get driven by our feelings. That would be a sign that we're overwhelmed or that we're not handling our overwhelmingness, if that's a word. Okay, imagine a sister of yours, or maybe a friend of yours, but let's say a sister of yours is driving you crazy. Right? People drive us crazy for, I would say, two reasons. One, they may be dragging us down somehow, or they're driving, driving us crazy because they're actually challenging us to grow. And we are resisting. So obviously, if we're getting pulled down in something, we resist to that. But what we have to know which one it is. Am I being pulled down here to less? Or am I actually being challenged to go higher? Either thing can drive us crazy. Which is it? Well, I hope that your sisters are mainly challenging you. But, you know, if you really think somebody is pulling you down, dragging you down, well, that's an important thing to discuss, to talk about, to examine, and also to forgive. But somebody who's dragging you down in some way, spiritually or, or, or emotionally, or making you somehow sad, well, that's because they're dragging you down. That's not good. We have to somehow find a way to get detached from that. 
somebody, upon speaking about being overwhelmed, told me about the three D's. You have to do, delete, delegate. It's, it's good, eh? Do, delete, delegate. We, we look at our to-do list. We have to divide it into these three categories. What among all the things that you're being overwhelmed by, the, the, the many things to do, even today you probably have many things to do, which ones do I do, which ones do I delete, or which ones do I delegate? Divide and conquer. That helps us to, just that action to do divide and delete, it's a, it's a way to help us uh, you know, focus on the essential I can imagine that, like the rich man, he must have stuff all over the place, like everywhere, just like, you know, like it was a mess. His house was probably a mess. I mean, he had nice clothing and all, okay, yeah, but he had a nice ivory table here, a nice piece of furniture there, uh, but like it's probably a mess. And he had lost his focus because of all that stuff. And it was really all about present comfort. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen those ads, they pop up on YouTube, I think it's called Hotels.com, and they, they have all these people sitting by a pool, chatting leisurely, you know, and the, 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 pan, the camera pans along, you know, fat people and thin people, and it's, it's really like, oof, it's cringe, it's cringe, you know. And, um, and those people just they're sitting there by the pool with their cocktails and, you know, Really, they're just overwhelmed. So, you pick up your to-do list, and what do I have to do here? And it's amazing just taking a very purposeful action. You know, you can just, like, shift the momentum of your day. But it was, it's, it's normal. We get overwhelmed from time to time. It's okay. It's okay. It's part of life. And this is not the last time it's going to happen. It's going to happen again. Imagine if we were to tear down this place to, to build a new one, supposedly better. Well, for a little while, we're going to be in the frat house, right? So that's not going to be comfortable, you know? Well, not the frat house, but someplace, you know? So we're going to get overwhelmed again. So we've got to get ready. And we must remember also that not everything we think is true. You know, our mind can play tricks on us. So we, okay, I'm thinking about this, thinking about that thing. Okay, whoa, what is true here? You can't do it all at once. You have this whole, like, wad of things that you have to do, and uh, you can't do everything. That's true, you can't do everything. You can't handle everything at once. That's true. You can only do one thing at a time. I don't know if maybe you've become an expert at multitasking, but uh, what you have to, we have to think, okay, what is the most important truth in this situation that I'm in? And if you are overwhelmed and you have many things to do, you can also say, or not forget, perhaps is the better way to look at it, do not forget that this feeling, this, oh my God, I'm not, it's temporary. It's just, it will pass. You've been here and you'll get through it. 
you got this, as they say. So, well, we ask, uh, we ask our Blessed Mother, who loved the poor, we ask St. Josemaria, that uh, he too probably was in moments of being overwhelmed. Probably that was the case in the famous tramway incident, and the Lord gave him that special grace to abandon himself in God's grace and in the truth of his divine filiation. Let's not let the feeling of overwhelmedness overcome us, overwhelm us. Always coming to our Lord here to speak, to talk, to open our hearts. And to our Blessed Mother, every time we see her, she'll help us, she'll intercede for us. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for you.